0: Lamentations 2.18, cry out from your heart to the Lord, O wall of daughter Zion, make your tears flow like a river, all day and all night long, do not rest, do not let your tears stop. You depressed yet? Man, good morning, so nice to, so nice to see everyone, it's so nice to be here and I hope everyone has had a great week and by the grace of God we continue to have another good week, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is where we're going to begin today. I hope you can be here tonight as well. Uh, Caleb will be teaching and uh, preaching a lesson on hermeneutics and the interpretation of the Bible. And uh, that's a useful tool if we want to better understand God's Word and why we do what we do. And so he'll do a great job, I'm sure, and we can be here to listen to him. Similar to that lamentation that we just read a moment ago, I'm sure many of us at times feel this way. We get to that point, that, that breaking point, where we lament and make known to God everything that's creating a storm in our life. I don't know what that storm is for you, but God does. It might be a sin. It might be a life-changing event. Either way, it's strong enough to shake us to our core and cry out from our heart to the Lord, as it says. Or maybe all night long we we do not rest because we wrestle with that sin that keeps us in bondage from the freedom in Christ. Or our tears flow like a river all day because our heart is in pain and it hurts and that we don't know, we have pain because we don't know a God that loves us and forgives us. Everyone can relate to this lamentation because all of us at some point need to be healed and to be restored. And as we age physically, so do our souls in experience. Like anything, we can become worn out, overused, tired, and we need to be restored. But there's a silver lining. There's someone who can help us, someone who can restore us from our broken selves no matter where we are or, or what we're doing. For example, when the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus for hanging out with the sinners in Mark 2.17, this, this is Jesus' response. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. We've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of righteousness. And Paul reminds us in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God, restoring and renewing our souls is our physician. Maybe some of us this morning need a physician's help to restore us. Especially when we've been through so much. When we've been through things like, a life lived in moral rebellion against God. And that, that only leads to, to more misery and pain. The, the broken relationship of a lifetime of not loving others. And that's not what God directs us to do. I don't know what it is. A broken family, unfaithfulness, improper parenting. Whatever your situation is, to be hurt by others is no fun. Right? To be hurt by ourselves can be really humbling. But to be hurt by life can be really tragic. And we can be hurt to the point that we're just broken, and we, we want to give up. We want to just call it quits, throw in the towel. But God, He restores us. He restores us with a new mission and a new purpose. And oftentimes, it seems like nothing motivates us more than a, than a new mission, right? A new way to look at things and a new perspective. If you're in Matthew 5, look with me at verses 11 and 12. Jesus preaches... Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus never said the road of faith would be easy, but with it comes an amazing reward that is great in heaven. This reward should make us say, as it says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad. I know that's Easier said than done, I know. Abuse can come in many different forms. It's not always physical. It's not something we really experience here in America. But abuse can come in verbal and emotional forms, as well as it can come from many different people. People we know and are close to, maybe people we don't know. Jesus and his apostles, they warn us that this abuse will sometimes be simply for choosing to believe. What does Jesus say there in Matthew 5.11? Blessed are you, When others utter all kinds of evil against you. And why? What does it say? On my account. Verse 11. Turn with me to a favorite passage. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. When Nate the Great comes back, uh, he'll be be back and he'll do a mini-series on Hebrews 11 and 12. Being one of my favorite passages, I look forward to hearing what God says out of those passages. I'm sure it will be really great. But Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross, and that's a a painful death, but it was for the joy that was set before him there in verse 2. The joy that he will one day be with his faithful together in heaven, in his kingdom. And that's a great joy to have. It says there in verse 1 that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, who are those witnesses? Well, turn with you to the previous chapter. We see a long list in Hebrews 11 of many people of great faith. People like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses in verse 24 of Hebrews 11, and Rahab in verse 31. And if we go into verse 32, the list continues. It says Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel, and the prophets. And then verse 33, this is very encouraging. Who through faith... Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promise obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Hebrews eleven thirty two through thirty four. These are true giants of faith who were made so not because they are great, but because their God is great. I don't speculate on whether or not they're literally watching us from heaven, but I do know that all of God's faithful servants are desiring for us to endure so that we can be with them in worship to God forever. The context is essentially them rooting us on to endure and keep going. That means enduring the abuse and suffering that comes our way in whatever form that may be. Our suffering with endurance is for a bigger picture and purpose than, the, than just that specific moment of suffering. We want to be with God's faithful. and that's, that's why we're here. That's one of the reasons why we're here right now. A part of that joy is the people that we get to share with in God's family. But joy is also experienced when we can influence those that are still lost. God has given us an opportunity to reach out to everyone so that they will also share in that joy we are so blessed to have through Jesus Christ. The people we meet in life, in God's faithful, are one of the motivating factors in encouraging us to endure and to keep going. Let's not confuse anything, though. In verse 1, going into verse 2, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. If there should be a single motivator for us to endure then it should be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He should be our motivator. He who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We don't have to like or enjoy the suffering that we're going through. It says there in Hebrews twelve two, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And his reward was what if we finish off this verse? And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, We're not going to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But because Jesus endured that cross for us, we have the ability through him to receive a reward of dwelling with him. When Jesus says in Matthew 5, 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus is the joy that restores our soul from the suffering and persecution of our faith. Now, some might say, how can I be sure? How can I be sure that in my faith it's worth the endurance? It's worth it. How does God restore, liberate, and rescue us from our doubts? Well, let's turn to Romans 5. Romans 5, and read with me verses 1 through 5. This passage really helps further our understanding of what we've been talking about. In Romans 5 verses 1 and 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The road of endurance and faith is paved by Jesus. We rejoice in our suffering because it leads to hope. Notice verses 3 through 5 with me again. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and our endurance produces character, and our character produces hope. Our faith isn't something that is superficial. It is a constant exercise of moral character. The word character there in Greek doesn't mean just to, to do good. I'm not a Greek scholar. I think dokime, dokime is how you pronounce that. Anyway, it's proving, trial, approved. I love this. Tried character, approved. A specimen of tried worth. Endurance tests and it pushes us to our max, our full potential. God places opportunities and perhaps, you know, even forces us to grow for his glory and our strength. Our faith is, is like a muscle. We have to use it. We have to exercise. I'm sure Philip will back me up on this. I'm not sure, but I could be wrong. But when we exercise our body, we don't see growth by working out in small, little, itty-bitty doses. Our workouts become productive and our muscles grow when we push ourselves towards our maximum capabilities. If we are exercising our faith so that our endurance produces stronger faith, well, then we should witness more and more of the greatness and restoration of God in our life. And that should squash the doubt that arises. Now, perhaps, though, it's not, it's not in our faith that we doubt, but it's in our future, right? Maybe we don't, we don't know how things are going to work out. We don't know. We're kind of skeptical about how God will restore our future. At times our future can look a little grim. Can it not? And it's hard to predict how God's hand is in everything and how it's all going to come together. One of the reasons our faith as Christians is so unique is that the cares and the future of this world and our life is not our priority. I'm not saying we don't take care of things. I'm not saying we don't you know try to make our stay on this earth as comfortable and productive as possible because we absolutely do the difference is we proceed with confidence that our God and creator has worked everything out for his glory our job is to bring attention to that glory restoration from doubt comes when we can proceed with confidence that God is with us and you see if suffering in our future then is the suffering that will it will produce endurance And naturally lead to the strength of our character and produce a hope that in God, that as it says in verse 5, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope, as many of you well know, is not just some wishful thinking. The Greek tells us in translation that this hope is a confidence, it's an assurance An assurance in God and and his promises and a confidence that he is working in the lives of his faithful. Jesus, the great physician, he reassures us in Matthew 6, 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I want you to know that worrying is about as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. That's how effective it is worrying is. It doesn't work. We need to use the right tools when addressing the worries and doubts that arise in our life. We may not like the way things are working out. We may not like the way they seem to be playing out. But to proceed with negativity will burn us every time. Doubt about our faith or the future will arise. It's one of the many ways that we see Satan trying to get a hold of us. But God restores us from our doubts With hope, with assurance. We just have to press on no matter what we face, keeping our integrity strong. Now, when we proceed in the future, we will make mistakes. And we'll sometimes disobey God and we'll ignore Him and we'll do our own thing. We'll do our own thinking. We'll take a different route. We have to be careful not to fall into that trap, that trap of sin. I'm not saying we we might make mistakes. I'm saying we will make mistakes. We do make mistakes. Even as God's faithful, we will make miscalculations and fall short and need God to restore us. One of the more popular stories of God's restoration is King David and Bathsheba, right? And uh, her husband, Uriah. King David, as many of you already know, took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, slept with her, and then had her husband, Uriah, murdered. To cover up her pregnancy. That is a bad place to be. That is a real bad place. And David, he is said to be a man after God's own heart. The scriptures say that. And yet he made a few errors and ended up in the wrong place. But you see, through endurance and with a repentant heart, God ends up restoring him. The next passage to focus on is not Second Samuel 11, 12. It's Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This psalm is a powerful psalm, and it really shows how David is feeling when God sends his prophet Nathan to confront David about his sin. And on a side note, I am posting a psalm devo on this very psalm later this week. So stay tuned for bonus content and encouragement. But psalm 51, if we dive in there, it's a powerful psalm. And it, it really deserves a full read. And It really shows how God can restore us from our disobedience to him. Starting with verse 1. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in your secret heart. Purge me with hispah, hispah Excuse me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and glad gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. And I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings and bowls will be offered on your altar." I wish we didn't sin. I wish we didn't have to go through all the suffering. We could go through life without suffering. But how hopeless and sad would this life be without the mercy of God? And that's what David pleads for in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. If there is going to be any assurance of an eternal future and God's will, it starts with God's forgiveness. David says in verses 3-4, through I know my transgressions against you. You only have I sinned. Being aware of our mistakes is a good place to start when asking God to restore us. How can we repent and change our course if we're unaware of that from which we need to repent? God is the one that restores us with forgiveness, because He's the one that we've wronged. Through His grace and His word, we have been given direction. It's by his word and a heart to know what is right and what is wrong. In order to change course and get on the right path, what does David ask God to do? Only what God can do. Verses 10-12. through Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Just as God has the power to create life, He has the power to create a clean heart and restore us back to our faithful selves. It says, renew a right spirit within me. A spirit that is going to know and understand what God wants. A willing spirit that that wants and desires the joy of His salvation. And notice with with me verses 16 through 17, it says, For you will not delight in sacrifices, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. Now, wait a second. Didn't God want His people in the old law to make sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins? Yes. But what does that sacrifice mean if if they didn't have a change of heart? We need to have a change of heart if we are going to receive the joy of His salvation. What sacrifice God desires is a broken and contrite heart in verse 17, a heart that is willing to be fixed and restored. Then in our restored state, because of God's love, and His mercy, and His forgiveness, which we know comes from His grace, we can, in verse 18, do good to Zion in your good pleasure, build up your walls of Jerusalem, we can start to build up our walls, and fortify our renewed heart against the attacks of Satan. The God we serve is an amazing God, and in our walk of faith, He makes Himself known And works with us to accomplish his will. Our faith comes with so much joy. And I I know we started off a little dark this morning. But I pray God's word encourages you to see how important it is to have God on our side. When we need him to restore us. And make us an even stronger, more committed servant. And before we close, I do want to compare Romans 5 verses 3 through 4. As we review what we looked at. Romans five three through four, we're talking about suffering producing endurance and endurance producing tried character and you know character producing assurance, right? Well when we read Psalm fifty one, do we see suffering, endurance, character, and hope? Do we see those things? We do. Earlier it was mentioned that, you know, faith isn't always easy. Psalm fifty one eight. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Suffering is a reality of life. And sometimes our sins cause that suffering. Sometimes it's others. Sometimes it's just life. Life is hard. However, even in his broken bones, David longed to hear the joy and gladness. God will restore us from our suffering with gladness and joy both now and in heaven with him. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. A willing spirit is going to endure. It's going to endure the suffering, the doubts, the worries that arise. You can tell David has his eyes set on salvation. Are our our eyes set on our joy of salvation? Jesus, he is the one that can restore us from our doubts and our worries. And where's the tried character, verse 17? The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit. This is the exercise that leads to a stronger faith when God restores us with his forgiveness. And then in verse 18, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Zion is where God dwells. It's his his kingdom. He restores us. And when he does, we have a hope and a confidence that we will one day rest with him. The beauty of God is that he comes as an encourager, both in the difficult days and in the bright days. He is our restorer. And maybe this morning you need to be restored. This congregation is here and would love to pray for you and pray with you. Or maybe you want a life to be renewed, to be renewed in Christ and become a committed, faithful servant to God. We can do that right now and you can start your journey for faith, for God. Jesus is the great physician. He is our joy of salvation. Still today, just like David in Psalm 51, 7 says, Purge me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Perhaps you have the same desire. Make the right choice. Take the joy that comes from God's salvation. And if this is you, and you'd like to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, come forward while we stand.